Welcome to this episode of FCM Soundbites. Today is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm Peter Soltakis, your host and FCM's Director of Technical Solutions. Joining us from one of FCM's newest clients, Avaya, the largest unified communications and contact center provider in the world, is Avaya's Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer, Simon Harrison. Welcome, Simon. Hello, sir. Yeah, it's great to be along. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And joining us from FCM is Billy McDonough, president of FCM Americas. Welcome, Billy. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. In the crosshairs for today's podcast, corporate travel versus teleconferencing. With Simon and Billy as respective experts in their fields, I'm confident we'll unearth some pretty great insights about COVID-19's potential legacy impact on how business around the globe approach corporate travel versus teleconferencing once this pandemic hopefully soon clears up. So to kick things off, I'd like to direct my first question to Simon. Simon, you joined Avaya in January 2020, just a few months before the world as we knew it went haywire. How has COVID-19 impacted your role? And as a consequence, how has Avaya been responding to what I presume is a massive surge of interest in your products and services? Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously a rather poignant question. I mean, we we saw unprecedented demand for our services all of a sudden. You know, everyone had to work from home, and uh, and so in in a in a few short weeks, we did some pretty wonderful things. Uh, we 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 enabled over two and a half million people to do just that to be able to you know be productive and get things done um, where they were. In terms of myself, obviously it was quite a, <laughs> an unexpected. Um, tidal wave of change to consider in terms of how we uh, support our customers. I mean, the, I guess the key thing to mention is that uh, as, a, as a company, it's in our nature to be um, work from anywhere people. We provide that technology and we practice what we preach. And so it wasn't a significant leap um, for us to uh, transition a lot of our staff to be um, able to be productive where they are, where they're you know, at home. Um, and we used our technology such as spaces to provide the video conferencing, task management, you know, document sharing, brainstorming capabilities to make sure that we could keep our customers going, you know, uh, address that fundamental challenge of, of continuing to function. Um, and, and, and we did, uh, I guess, in, uh, in some ways, with support in, in terms of the more important aspect of how to do this remote working thing. We can provide the technology, but a lot of our customers were trying to figure out the people process and technology to, to make it work. So we set up help centers and hotlines. We wrote blogs. We uh, provided best practice articles. And we did a lot of things to, to empower these businesses to, to figure out that thing together. Um, and we had to do, uh, I guess, in terms of, you know, helping these people we, we did some wonderful things around providing our technology for free so we had to set up you know tiger teams to change everything in terms of front of house you know the minute by minute hour sort of um of creating you know free offers to for example we started off with non-profits hospitals and educational facilities um and then we opened up to the rest of the world you know access to our spaces technology for free uh, and 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 you can't just do that, right? You have to you have to make sure the messaging is out there. We have to socialise it. We have to make sure we don't seem to be. We're not trying to be opportunistic as well. You know, genuinely wanting to help. So there was a lot of, um, you know, a flurry of activity in dealing with that tidal wave. So it was quite 
dramatic in terms of the effects, but you know, at Avaya, we we did what we do best around this technology, and we and we and we uh, we helped the world out there address what was, as I said at the beginning, something rather unprecedented. It was extraordinary. Very good. Thank you for that. To provide some counterpoint perspective, Billy, on the flip side of the coin, corporate travel has taken an unprecedented hit and volumes have been in the single digits when compared to historic figures. Based on recent FCM client survey results, 40% of corporates expect a return to domestic travel in one to three months, and 32% of corporates expect a return to international travel in the next six to 12 months. As the industry slowly emerges from its turtle shell, to what extent do you think the pendulum will swing back to the point where corporations, irrespective of industry, are 100% comfortable putting employees on the road again? Uh, yeah, very uh, interesting question, Peter. I mean, personally, tomorrow would be nice, uh, but in all reality, there are a series of factors and dependencies that'll determine a return to 100% comfort. I think we, we have seen certain industries um, slowly emerge. We have a lot of customers who are involved in essential work. So we've, you know, we've seen some businesses and some of our customers um, continue traveling throughout this process and some even increase travel. But I think the, the major factors that are going to determine how the rest of you know the industry in its entirety bounces back has a couple of dependencies. Firstly, being a a vaccine or some sort of um, some sort of end to the actual virus spread itself. Um, I think the 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 second thing, which is probably adding a layer of complexity that none of us imagined, was the ever changing government restrictions, both local, um, state, and and even international. They they change you know, quite frequently. So being able to take all of that information and serve it back to our customers in a way that's easy to help them make a decision, I think has, um, you know, has definitely contributed to people's hesitation to ramp back to 100%. And I think also the the commitment of a lot of our suppliers, you know, whether it be the airlines, the hotels, the the, the car companies, to you know, really create and enforce safety and cleanliness protocols. So the effectiveness of those individual actions, I think once people have a level of comfort around the delivery of those things, we will see people returning to a normal level of travel. I think all of this is really going to be underpinned by, for us uh, as, as a TMC, to maintain our position of flexibility with our customers because as things change, um, we're assisting them with adjusting their policies and, and really keeping them up to date and acting as an aggregator for a lot of this you know, multi-sourced information on a daily basis. Very good. And you mentioned uh, our clients. I'm gonna pivot back to Simon here. So despite Avaya being a market leader in teleconferencing services, you still have a pretty remarkably robust corporate travel program that spends um, you know, many, 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 I think, uh, millions of dollars per year. But uh, obviously that's changed. So as things continue to emerge as we get past COVID, uh, to what extent do you, anticipating, uh, do you anticipate business travel still playing within Avaya? Uh, and what is Avaya doing with respect to its own return to business travel? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, the reality is that 
the vast majority of internal meetings, workshops, events, training, etc., have been things that, that have been conducted remotely for years, right? I mean, this is not a complete sort of shift. And, and since the pandemic, with all of our customers and, par and partners being equally homebound, we've jointly discovered or started to jointly discover new ways to nurture and develop existing relationships and, gen and generate new ones. But of course, regardless, everyone knows in-person get-togethers are great for building relationships even further. You know, it's the other things that go on when you meet personally, you have a coffee, you're in between chats and so forth. And Navarra is an experience. And the way we build and maintain relationships with customers means we'll, we'll travel when necessary. Um, you know, when, when you're running a, a global business, there will always be important enough reasons to travel. But uh, I guess, you know, I, I, it goes to say without question, the, the benefits of advisement and video conferencing collaboration technology is and will continue to change how much business travel is, is needed, clearly. Um, the value many organizations have seen based on, a, I guess, a forced function to work remotely means there's a whole new set of benefits to just popping open an app like Avaya Spaces and getting it done without, without some of the hassles of, of travel. And of course, importantly, there's a bunch of benefits in terms of environment and so on. But I'd, I'd, I'd summarize by saying, interestingly, I'm kind of expecting a bit of a rebalance driven by more immersive collaboration across the workforce, leading to higher levels of product productivity that may result in justifying more quality and benefit-driven travel as a trade-off. So I think the, the world is embracing the power of collaborative and work from anywhere solutions, such that we should see travel opportunities being better spent, if that makes sense. So, but, you know, so by reducing unnecessary travel, we can justify more high-value travel, as it were. And, uh, and so we'll, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And as a part two to that, Simon, I'm going to ask you a follow up here. Um, mm -hmm. So we're approaching five going on six months right now of the new normal, which hit us back uh, really, uh, I think, especially in the Western world around early mid-March. Um, with this new normal, companies like Twitter have announced that employees have the option to never return to the office. Google just announced the other week that it won't be doing so at its headquarters until summer 2021. And with respect to the legacy impact of remote work and what we define as the traditional workplace or workspace, if you may, um, that's, that's altering before our eyes right now. Uh, Wall Street Journal published an article in June titled, When Workers Can Live Anywhere, Many Ask, Why Do I Live Here? So the article's premise is, up to maybe two plus percent of urban workers have been departing every week uh, due to pricey locations, population dense areas like New York or San Francisco that have tighter restrictions. And as a consequence are taking up residence in less expensive locations in the suburbs and the countryside. So when we do get back to this concept of the office, um, how do you anticipate this remote work um, surge is going to impact how we get things done in the next maybe two, three, five years and how we leverage technology to work remotely? Uh, great, yeah, fantastic question. I, I guess almost, I guess, level setting, I would say that in our, in, in our opinion, um, COVID-19 has accelerated a trend that was already underway when it comes to the workplace. Right? Work, has, work has changed. Today, it's more cognitive, more fluid, more team-based and definitely more unplanned. We live in an unplanned world. 
Um, and it's centered more around business value and outcomes. And it recognizes the best way to achieve those results is by bringing the, the right people together in real time to fix problems, deliver outcomes, make decisions driven by the business needs and allowing them to do that from where they are, when they are. You know, I, I, I was before the lockdown finding my office place would be running for the security queue at an airport and I'm suddenly joined a conference you know, call and I'm, I'm getting things done there. So there you've got almost a blending of, you know, you know, still being able to be productive where I am, when I am, but being able to get where I need to get to in terms of the travel. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the human workforce is increasingly being supplemented and complemented with a digital workforce equivalent as well, where work happens is more likely to be, you know, in the digital virtual realm as, uh, than, than physical as a matter of course. And if you look around some of the other leading analyst companies, Gartner, for example, they think that they're, they're actually stating it stated to claim that half of work from home agents, for example, will, will, will go back to the office. And there's several reasons for that discipline, camaraderie, home not quite set up for the kind of work they need to do. It's an interesting statement that I can't justifiably argue with, except to say these things seem to happen like, you know, in, in, term, in, in sort of a pendulum swing. It goes one way quite far, then the other way quite far, and eventually settles somewhere in the middle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my overall sort of perspective is work has been changing where we work, when we work, how, uh, for a little while now, it's the way we're progressing our collaboration technologies to support the what's being described as the new norm. Um, it, it's been a long time coming, and I think that there's uh, there's a, there's a balance that will always be re-established based on the way we work and, and what we do in the future, um, uh, given the innovation that goes on around these digital technologies. Billy, is there anything you want to add to Simon's comments there about the legacy impact of remote work? I, I think, uh, you know, as leading a business where we also had flexibility, I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand for human interaction because this current situation was kind of thrust upon everyone. So I think we'll, we'll probably see a surge back to the office initially. I think it's going to be, um, you know, when Simon mentioned the scenario, I, I, I totally agree. I think in the initial stages, people want, to and need that human engagement because we've gone you know so many consecutive months without it but i think after you know after a period what will be the new normal whatever that evolves into being whether it's 50 percent of people you know in an office at one time or or less or you know whatever the you know whatever that point is i think we'll we'll know more after that happens because i think having the choice is what's kind of been removed from this current situation. So I think we'll, we'll watch the situation as it continues to evolve. And I, you know, I foresee the, the, the need for collaboration face-to-face -face as never really going away. I mean, I certainly know in our business, the amount of engagement and the, the success that you get, not only from your company culture perspective, but some of the, the solutions that we can come up with for customers, a lot of that is, a quick chat with the person who's who's right next to you and and not actually having that ability to have that those random interactions i think over a period of time you know people start to miss that and see some of the gaps by not being able to be around colleagues to bounce ideas off of without setting up you know a formal way to communicate people are likely to spin around in their chair more so than 
reach out and call somebody. Um, so I, I think it'll continue to evolve, but I think flexibility is going to be the key here. And again, with all the, you know, various theories and criteria and protocols that are going to exist, depending on what, ha what happens with, you know, a vaccine or, or, or a treatment protocol, we may see the situation continue to evolve. So Billy, following up on that, you mentioned the word choice. In 2021 and beyond, we'll see. What do you think will be the criteria for deciding whether we meet in person versus over teleconference? I know you mentioned some other words like flexibility and talked about people turning around in their seats at their desks, but ultimately, what shifts can we anticipate and how do we factor these into company policy? I think, and, and if I just look at, say, the sales cycle as, as one example, I think that we've managed to continue to achieve, you know, and achieve an sales targets in this process. I think we'll probably see initial meetings using various forms of technology, but I think the, you know, the final pitches or, or, or things where you're going to close the deal will still be conducted in person. So I think the frequency of, of in-person meetings, you know, per event may decrease. And I think we're, we're also noticing some shifts in our customers' policies about that, um, where they're initiating approval protocols to say, you know, you can do the first three meetings virtually, and then you do this meeting face-to-face. -face. I think there is definitely merit in being with, whether it's a customer, or an existing customer, or a potential, you know, a prospect, um, that it can't really be recreated using technology. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of reading the room that goes into the the human interaction with people, and you. It's sure you can look at ten boxes on a screen, but it's it's that inherent physical presence. I think that is required in a lot of instances. Very good. And Simon, anything you wish to add or follow up to Billy's comments about uh, the criteria of in-person over tele versus in uh, teleconference? No, I think I think Billy's. You know, that, 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 those are wise words in terms of the. If you think about the types of travel, me, meeting with customers sometimes just needs that in-person presence, especially if you consider the kind of scale Avaya provides solutions on. Right? You know, um, I think. Any travel tied to just being at the right place at the right time will likely still be justified. But it's it's about that sort of internal productivity. I think the modern digital workplace or future of work will embrace more immersive collaboration solutions like Avaya Spaces, which will change again. You know what? How you qualify something that's a bit more urgent versus non-urgent travel? But there there will be those, as we've just talked about, those kind of important big closing deal moments that that uh, will persist. It's, it's it's just the nature of you know how we how we how, how we have to uh, show show customers how keen we are to take you know take care of them uh, effectively. I, I, you know, I just think that it's going to be, um, when it comes to the policy, it's, it's going to be just more about making sure costs are easily justified. And, 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 and then I, I would say that, you know, there may be an extra element, a few more elements around, you know, if you think about the kind of questionnaire to qualify for a travel, it might include a bit more of, you know, why you can't do this, why of a video conferencing engagement, et cetera, and people may have to do a bit more justification, but it will ultimately shake out such that we won't necessarily um, see those really more important face-to-face -face engagements 
still persisting, as I say, perhaps. Very good. And let's let's put our futurist hats on here. Let's look five, ten plus years into the future. What about virtual reality? Um, how will this perhaps factor into teleconferencing in the future? Is there potential for this to displace face-to-face -face meetings to some extent as well, and perhaps business travel? Um, so, I mean, from from my perspective, you know, <laughs> Snapchat has made virtual and augmented reality and every every everyday thing right you know you, you people are, are using this technology as though it's it's you know, you know yeah, yeah. it's not new um and i've seen vendors that are doing things some very clever th things and we you know, we're involved with this ourselves um in terms of our you know development strategy around uh you know wearing wearing some virtual reality goggles and setting up a room rooms across the world in different offices such that the chair is placed in a position that when you put those goggles on, you're all for all intents and purposes sat next to the person that you would be in the real world, and it will it will change things. Um, but it's you know that that kind of main that becoming quite mainstream. We're not. You know, it, it, I'm seeing a, a early interpretations of what that looks like and the value that can be derived. But it's like most things. It's very. It, it tends to be quite expensive, and 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 can it. Can the uh, can the, the uh, justify does the justification work in terms of instead of travelling and things? Who knows? I, I think that there is definitely a change ahead that will be driven by some of the innovation around virtual and, and augmented reality because we're already seeing it. Um, it's just uh, you know uh, to, to to what degree? Again, I've got this kind of niggling feeling we'll find new ways reason and ways to justify travel even in that world. But um, again, we'd have to wait and see. Well, if you ever need any product testers for some of that futurist technology as it continues to evolve, you have my contact details. Um, <laughs> back to you, Billy. Let's talk about measurement. Travel versus conferencing, teleconferencing. What kind of metrics are we going to be putting in place to evaluate the success of a trip versus a teleconferencing meeting. What about ROI? How are we going to define that? And perhaps, is there going to be a dichotomy between things that are revenue generating and other things, events, activities that are perhaps internal? I, I, I think that we, we have seen a trend with validation of travel, you know, our customers approving travel for a long time. So I think the, the metrics already exist whether it's you know a sales organization a you know a, a crming activity i think there are already measurements in place to say you know this is the investment required here's the return on investment i mean sales i keep going back to that is probably the easiest one to to measure but i think each each organization factors that in presently to their workflows and their approval processes, I think we'll see that probably tighten up. Um, you know, it's very easy and, and the most people go after focusing on internal meetings, for example, versus customer facing meetings. So I think the, the structure is already there. I just think we'll see it continue to evolve as we back to a level of normality. Simon, anything to add? Um, I mean, Avaya, we've reviewed and made changes in terms of our office accommodation. Right? We've seen significant savings or pro projected significant savings in terms of the fact that you know there 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 is a 
real benefit. There are some real, you know, sort of there is real value in realizing the benefit of our own technology to get things done. And, and we're seeing productivity perhaps even higher than, than it ever has been. Um, and there are a number of other overhead savings, you know, when it comes to the sort of um, tactical aspects of, of office space, etc. But again, I have to circle back to the dependency of the type of employee, their role as to how far you take that and, and recognize return on investment savings. Um, Increasingly, we believe organizations are going to have to consider things like environment, environmental impact of travel, of course. Recent events have proven that you know, with, with, as I said, that fourth function and, and companies that wouldn't even think about video conferencing or collaboration technology, trying it like, you know, school teachers running a class or even doing a, uh, we, had, we had people using it for church services, all kinds of weird and wonderful things that just wouldn't have use that sort of technology for before means that um, th there will be much more sort of cost benefit analysis involved when it comes to business travel. It's, it's, a, it's a fait accompli, a fait accompli. Um, and then there is that social shift that's occurring, particularly in the younger generations where attitudes to work towards work-life balance uh, are driving, you know, uh, employee engagement and, and, you know, when it comes to, engaged empowered staff to drive customer experience outcomes for example it's not about typically about bigger salaries etc it's more about you know feeling as though they are um engaged and empowered to do their job that's what makes them apply that discretionary effort and some of that kind of plays into the the uh, the equation as well i would say so it's it's uh i'll always maintain there's a balance there is definitely significant improvements in terms of um, productivity that mean return on investment when it comes to buying the kind of technology we sell is, is extraordinary. And there are those savings around accommodation that are important. Um, but the people side of things, the role, the, the, uh, the kind of um, tasks, the, or the responsibilities the employee have, like Billy, Billy talks about in terms of sales, et cetera, I mean, it's not a one-size-fits-all, I guess is the best way to describe it. Thanks, Simon. So final question here for both of you. Um, I'll start with Billy. Um, originally, I'd written down in my brainstorm here, what can't you get from video conferencing that you can only get from being in person? I, I think you guys addressed this already with respect to the value of being in person, the camaraderie, the handshakes. So instead of asking that, I think what we'll do here is we'll pivot. Billy, let's say in 10 years, where do we think we'll be following COVID? Let's say we get a vaccine. Uh, where will the business travel industry be in 2030? Look, I think we'll, we'll continue to see innovation. So there, there's a, a vast amount of technologies that enhance the traveler experience, the, the program management of, of travel programs. Uh, and to me, that's the exciting part. I think right now, like I, like I mentioned earlier, the, this situation has been thrust upon us. I think the, the reality is once this situation passes, we'll continue to see innovation and probably things that we hadn't even thought of to date parts of corporate travel. I, uh, you know, you take the events um, side of the business that that switched to virtual really quickly and, and people have been able to adjust and adapt. And more importantly, 
touch a larger or engage with a larger audience. So the scale that's become available through some of these technologies, I think is, is incredible. You know, certainly from, you know, my personal perspective, having access to technology has allowed me to participate in things where schedules may have, you know, prohibited me from being there in person. You're still able to be, you know, an active participant in, you know, meetings and discussions. So I think we're going to continue to see innovation constantly force and help our industry evolve. And I think that's, that's a great thing. Excellent. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for those closing statements there. And Simon, the, the closing statements floor is yours. Uh, teleconferencing by 2030. What do you think? Um, well, I'm going to say video conferencing collaboration as opposed to <laughs> teleconferencing, but ultimately, um, we are already in the throes of, of an evolved digital workplace, the future of work, where work anywhere working is, is becoming the norm. And um, the, the, the technology empowering people to be productive where they are, when they are, is something that is, is going to persist and support perhaps um, an ambition where the, there will still be the need for that camaraderie, that, um, you know, in-person sort of in, in, in those in-person interactions. There's a lot of balancing ahead, as I, I said about the, the sort of pendulum swinging and the way it will settle. I think that the um, the things that are interesting to start to see happening are things like when we had uh, a virtual drinks evening <laughs> to celebrate some team efforts recently. Everyone was sent a parcel to the home address and, and a bottle of wine and a glass and a corkscrew, and they all joined joined a collaboration, you know, via spaces to meet and have cheese and wine. Let's have a cheese and wine party together, and it was great. Everyone felt good about it. Everyone felt like we. Uh, we were still connected. We were still, you know, productive. And, but even then, it's still not quite the same. We're all human beings when it comes to the, you know, the reality of, of, of the nature of being a human being. We want to be able to have those sometimes what should be de uh, described as productive coffee shop chats that really aren't. It's just more of a break and having a ch chewing the cud with colleagues that actually where you might still get things done. You might still be productive. So there's there's always going to be that balance, I think. But the reality is that the future of work, the work from anywhere, nature uh, of getting things done, but empowered by these these modern new technologies, means that we'll see a shift, kind of, sort of, regardless of what's happened with with COVID nineteen. Anyways, is my best guess. It's not not necessarily just based on this pandemic that we're seeing the way this world will unfold in terms of the balance between video conferencing, collaboration technology and the way we use travel. Very good. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, that's it for today. So that concludes this episode of FCM Soundbites. Uh, I'm Peter Soltakis. I'd like to thank both of our participants very much, Simon Harrison and Billy McDonough. Until next time, take care and safe travels.